0: I'm Andrew Levine, the CEO of Koinos Group, creators of the Koinos blockchain. And today on the Koinos Group podcast, I'm super excited to have Tim Copeland on the show. Uh, It's great to be interviewing somebody else um, instead of doing all the talking. We had a great conversation. We talked about NFTs. Uh, we talked about running your own nodes. We talked about the future of the space, the future of virtual reality and the metaverse and where NFTs play into all this. It's a really great conversation because I spend all my time so focused on our product that uh, I, I often miss a lot of what's happening in in the broader space. And uh, Tim has this very high level view working in Decrypt as an editor uh we, we also talked about uh, w- what's happening over at Decrypt, how, how that platform's evolving and uh, w- where they're heading with it. It sounds super exciting. I, I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things coming out of that publication. So uh, enjoy the interview. I, I had a ton
1: of fun recording it. I was basically a kind of 2017 boomer into crypto. Uh, as it kind of exploded, I got really interested in it. I did a lot of research about it. Um, And I was just like, I was reading so much information about crypto that I ended up setting up my own uh, website just to write about it. So I started um, creating probably now terrible blog posts just about, you know, stuff I was reading, stuff I was learning. I just kind of had to get it it out of my head. Um, And at this time, I knew I had a journalism course coming up. So I had it kind of all booked up. It was just not scheduled to start until February. Um, So... By that time, I was kind of very, very interested in the space and had done a bit of writing about it. And then the course was a four-month course um, at Press Association Training in London. And during the course, I started writing for crypto news sites. Um, so it was a bit intensive. Did the course, had a whole lot of coursework on top of that, and then also was doing this in my spare time. Um, so it was, it was a pretty intense four months. Um, and yeah, and then just, you know, when it finished, I was like, this space is just so interesting right now. I just kind of had to go straight into it. So I, I started freelancing uh, from day one. I just said I got a little co-working space. Um, and then I was just writing for these sites, did that for about a month. Then uh, I heard about Decrypt. So I got in touch with them. Um, and then very quickly started working for them. And then now it's, what, three years, three years on, I believe. Maybe, yeah, going on three years, I think. and. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a
0: ride. That's interesting, we have some overlap there because in 2016, I started blogging on Steemit and that was my entry into the crypto space. Um, I think a lot of people think that the only way to get involved is to be an engineer. And so at least we have two data points here that you don't have to be an engineer. Um, what do you think it was that um, attracted you to the space
1: initially obviously it was you know it was everything was exploding in value that that was what was crazy about it um and i think i think one of the most bizarre things about it about kind of the crypto prices is that some random coin can explode 100 percent in a day and you have no idea why and, and and it almost seems to defy logic when you look at what's up today and what's down and it's like none of it makes any sense you know especially when you kind of first get into it and i think even when you've been in it for a while um and i think when i was kind of researching it and looking at that and i was trying to understand what the you know because you hear about bitcoin and then you like wait there's thousands more and then they were very like wildly different prices and all of that kind of stuff and i think as you kind of explore more, you, you research into each of the various coins and you just slowly chip away at the understanding of it. And it takes a long time to, um, to to really, truly understand the crypto space and just like know what each coin does and understand why some coins are maybe more decentralized than others and why that might be a good thing. Um, and kind of all of that. And, and, and obviously, like, I mean, I've been, In and out of the news every day for the past few years, but in terms of like understanding crypto, my understanding keeps like growing constantly. You you get a better understanding over time, and I like I recently set up a Bitcoin node, and that was one of the biggest eye openers for me. And that taught me a lot—the kind of practical, hands-on element of Um, it—and that taught me a lot about decentralization and about block sizes and the importance of them, and 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 that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's just all about. It, it's basically like, I mean, rabbit hole is often the phrase used. Uh, my personal metaphor that I really like is that scene in Harry Potter, I think in the first one, where they where they, um, they, they go through the trap door under the three-headed dog, and there's this kind of mass of green, like, uh, I don't know what it is, but kind of green material, and, and they fall into it, and you can't see through it, and it's complicated, and it's scary for them. And then they have to kind of relax and then they fall through it. And there's a whole world under there. And I think that to me is kind of a bit what it's like getting, getting into crypto. Like it, it seems very scary at first, but, but there's, a, there's a whole world to explore.
0: I agree. I think that's a great way of putting it. Uh, speaking of things that are exploding in price and not really understanding why, maybe now is a good time uh, to talk about NFTs. And what are your what are your thoughts on NFTs? As you said, it, it takes a long time to understand this stuff, and uh, and now we have kind of a new um, asset exploding in value. It's not really new, but as far as public awareness, it's become new. So, what do you think of of NFTs?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on NFTs. I think they're definitely the the, the crypto technology that's that's the moment of the day right now um hugely hugely exploding they've, they've broken into the mainstream in a way that we haven't seen crypto do before in many ways like DeFi was arguably the big thing last year but DeFi didn't really like it, it that doesn't get you know that many people excited but nfts it, like you've got lindsay lohan selling nfts you have got logan paul selling nfts like I think the uptake by celebrities has been kind of a key factor for mass appeal. I think N- NBA Top Shot has done a huge amount like that. It, it's just packaged in such a way that appeals to the mass market, and that's why it's been incredibly successful in terms of user numbers. Like then, um, if you look at the leaderboards, CryptoPunks are kind of top of the leaderboards for the biggest sales. But if you look at the sheer numbers of people buying and selling NFTs every day, NBA Top Shot is is a mile ahead of every everything else, um, yeah, and, and I think that's what's really interesting and exciting with them. But but there's certainly a lot to discuss in terms of kind of their value proposition, the hype cycle, all of that. Yeah, it, it, it's quite fascinating. So
0: you made a you made a good point that that kind of got me thinking. Uh, that I guess in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before, which is is how, I guess, NFTs are just a lot more sellable. Uh, Before, we were primarily focusing our attention on fungible tokens. And so take the celebrity example. Um, You know, okay, we've got this great crypto technology. You can sell your own currency. Okay, why is anybody going to care about this thing? Oh, well, I'll promise them something in return for it. And now we're basically setting them up for creating a security, for creating some kind of currency. And then NFTs, I, I never thought about NFTs like this, but I guess each one is kind of has its, has its own in, inherent value to use that loaded phrase. But it's like, oh, you just buy my NFT and now, and now you have it. And we're done and maybe that's kind of the thing that's attractive about them is it's this one-time sale
1: i think i think right now they're capturing the magic of trading cards i mean if you look at trading cards the 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 value of the paper is, is practically worthless but the idea that you're the only one that has this you know rare pokemon or whatever it is somehow makes it incredibly valuable um I, I think that is a really it's a very fascinating idea and i think nfts just have they have just finally managed to capture that idea digitally and that makes it far more scalable um to some degree um yeah and, and conceptually
0: I think- scalable maybe not technically scalable yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i I didn't know whether to go into that too much and then obviously you know (laughs) there are scalable versions but then you compromise in certain areas so yeah it's that that's a dimensional argument yeah um um, for for people who want to
0: learn more about the the scaling challenges with nfts we've actually released content about that before and they can read our white paper because that's kind of one of the things that's a little hidden in there. Um, But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Instead, I'd rather ask you. So my biggest worry with NFTs is that I feel like the vast majority of them are going to become ultimately worthless. And I worry that a lot of the people who are buying into this hype um, might be thinking like we've seen before. That they're gonna buy into this hype and they're gonna be drive. everyone's gonna be driving Lambos in a year. And uh, that's not how it works. We can't all have Lambos. Uh, and, and with NFTs in particular, I just don't see the vast majority of them retaining any kind of value. Do you, do you see that as a problem? What do you think the, the future of NFTs looks like? Is this just a fad
1: or is this going to continue forever? Yeah, so I think this is, this, this is the big question. Um, and I think a big part of that is somewhat ironic because NFTs are non-fungible tokens. And the whole point of them is that they're scarce. Uh, typically for each NFT, there'll be one. Sometimes you might have like, say, a limited edition of 10 NFTs where it's the same thing 10 times. But, but the whole point of each one is that each one is scarce. But 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 the irony here is that you can create a million, a billion NFTs. So like, while each one is scarce, as a whole you've you, you've got as many as as you can you can you can create. And I think being able to do that digitally means you can very easily create huge numbers. Um, you know, I mean, and a strange parallel, but you know, with with, with the US dollar, the printing billions of dollars and effectively that that devalues them so with nfts um obviously if you make them on ethereum they can be they can be quite expensive but when you look at the the less decentralized platforms you can you can make a lot of them very cheaply um, and i think that is where we'll see this kind of explosion potentially finding potentially basically it my world should be this big bubble that will then crash at some point because um, it, it's kind of like at the moment, it's like exploding into nothingness. And then at some point, it's going to, it's going to, the fuel is going to run out and you're going to come back to, to find the, the real size of the market. Um, because I mean, so you had Jack Dorsey yesterday, he tweeted that he's selling his first ever tweet. Um, and the bidding has already reached $1 million. And, and I, And you know that's a really cool example of of a really valuable NFT, and and at the moment that's the only NFT that he's sold, as as far as I know. And so it it makes sense, you know, when you've got that kind of scarcity for it to have some value. But what if he then goes right now? I'm going to sell all of the tweets I've ever done, and it you know say he's done thousands of tweets over time. Suddenly it's like we're not everyone's going to be worth a million dollars. And and I think I think that's happening right now with nfts like you you've you've definitely got a lot of you know good artists and they're selling selling them for large amounts of money but because of people are seeing how much money there is in this space everyone is now printing nfts and you're just gonna have so many with with so little value um that i I, I think at some point you're going to run out of people willing to buy them kind of What what I'm saying is that it's potentially a bubble that might come back to find its real value. Um, We'll find the real size of the market at some point over the next few months slash years. Um, And I think it'll be really interesting to see whether or not it grows to be a massive global phenomenon or whether or not it stays a kind of niche crypto thing. Because, you know, right now, it still might be smaller than where it will be. Like, we we don't know where where it will end up Um, but I think the current rate of growth right now, it, I I think is unsustainable. Like it's just exploding. Everyone's getting into it. Everyone's selling NFTs now. And, and, you know, you have to have enough, more people buying them in order to, for the prices to keep going up and for the thing to stop imploding.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with your assessment. Uh, I think your the way I'd put your point is that when you're trying to create huge amounts of value, you're trying to open up this, an infinite c- conceptual space and NFTs do that. They open up this infinite conceptual space. You can create, you can keep creating these unique assets without running into the same problems that you do when you inflate a fund a, a currency um, because each each one is, is unique. Um, and the consequence of opening up these massive conceptual spaces is that capital rushes in, people rush in, people get excited, they get euphoric, uh, and, and that leads to bubbles, but that doesn't mean that there isn't this base layer of value creation. I mean, that 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 infinite conceptual space um, of possibility is what allows us to find the small number of Uh, use cases that uh, produce exponential value. So it's like this paradox where the potential is, you know, and and that's why we get booms and busts. Um, I agree with your point about, um, I mean, the the issue is that NFTs while conceptually uh, unbounded are highly technically bounded because their uniqueness also results in them taking up a lot of state uh, which makes them very expensive. And so to your point, uh, a lot of the ways that, that other pro- that projects get around this is through higher degrees of centralization. Um, I wouldn't uh, be doing my job if I didn't pitch my book a little and say that one of our technical innovations is uh, maintaining full de- decentralization while unbounding the number of NFTs that can be created through a technology that we that we call state paging and basically we we the issue with these nfts is that they stay in state and so with state paging the blockchain will remove all unused state while allowing users to like import the state back into active state and verify it for correctness and so reason why this is so important is because it unbounds that technical limit on how many nfts that you can create reduces the costs of actually creating it and maybe now we can start exploring that that unbounded conceptual space uh, a little bit more so uh, and and without being an nft specific chain like nfts aren't our value prop that's just a consequence of uh, of a design problem that we knew we needed to solve from our Steemit day is not because people are showing nfts but because they were showing posts and comments which also should should get should get removed out of state so anyway I'll, I'll, I'm done p- pitching my book um, so w- we talked about nfts what everybody's excited about nfts that's great but is that what excites you? What is anything else going on in the space that nobody else is talking about that you find especially interesting that you that you'd like people to pay closer to t- attention to?
1: I've I've definitely been experimenting a lot more recently. Um, I don't know how many things that that I do that are that interesting, but I've I've been kind of trying to try out random stuff. Like um, I downloaded a Monero miner the other day, and and had that I got that up and running um, for, for a few hours. Which was, which was quite interesting. Um, one thing I think that I think is a little bit under the radar right now, um, which, and like, yeah, I almost feel like I'm an ambassador for the company, which I'm not, but I, I just kind of love what they're doing is 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 Umbral, which have basically made it incredibly easy to set up a Bitcoin node. And I think, I think um, it's quite easy to underestimate how important how important this is, but obviously NFTs are capturing um, the kind of mass hysteria. But in terms of kind of encouraging sustainable growth of, of, of the crypto market um, and getting people actually using the technology and and things like that, um, setting up nodes is quite important. Um, and so I've set up uh, before this. I, I, I previously set up a Raspberry Blitz uh, on a rasp on a Raspberry Pi. And that was incredibly complicated. The first time I did it, I got I got it up and running eventually. And then I tried doing it again a short while later and it just it hit so many roadblocks, so many errors. And like, uh, and, and, and in terms of like how you set it up is you set up the whole thing via terminal. Now, terminal is familiar to most developers. It's, it's essential to most developers, but to any non-developer, it's it's like what is this it is like a black box it's like I mean it literally is a black box you, you have no idea what to do with it and, and you know so Raspberry blitz it kind of walks you through it but when something goes wrong it's very difficult to know what to do and and, and I was I've always been surprised at how uh, difficult a lot of the kind of the Bitcoin UX is and I think this when I, when I when I set my umbrella I was I was completely shocked by how simple it was um, and just how effective it was. And I think a lot, a lot of other people have. And I think um, the ability to make something so complicated, but also so essential that easy will encourage a lot more people to be running nodes. And I think that is actually really important for educating people um, and to get people kind of contributing to the ecosystem. Um, so yeah, I, I think what they're doing is really cool. I think other companies I'm sure will... will Follow suit. I mean, there are kind of other node providers. I just haven't, ha- haven't tried all of them. Um, but but I think, I think more and more companies will start getting the UX right for a lot of this technology. And I think that will really start to help. I mean, NFTs are the prime example of this. I mean, technically, in terms of an NFT, you're looking at, at like a hash in a centralized database in a lot of cases. But everyone loves them right now because of how they're packaged. Like the core... Technological thing isn't that like is is what it is, um, but it, it it's how it's packaged and made accessible. It is what's important, and I, and I think that's what decrypt does. Um, what we what we try to do is we make this really complicated space, and we try and make it accessible. Like we we really try and simplify it and explain. Um and we have to we have to keep reminding ourselves that while we are getting increasingly familiar with a lot of these terms and complex ideas that everyone who reads that article may be reading about this for the first time. And so we have to constantly say, okay, no, we have to define this, we have to explain this, take a few steps back and and I think that is making this space a lot more accessible to more people. Um, so yeah, any any, of these kind of projects that are just making crypto accessible um, to people who aren't so technologically savvy, I think are really really important right now. Yeah,
0: I love that, and I, I love that you guys do that. And um, I think, God, you touch on so many things that I want to unpack. Um, agree with you uh, uh, on so many of those points. I mean one of the main reasons why we felt we needed to launch a a free to use general purpose blockchain is to make it accessible, is to make this technology usable to create pleasant user experiences because these fees introduce uh, such such a high degree of friction into the user experience. So so we, we agree completely on that. And the thing about node operation, I actually thought was super interesting because um, it's something we've been talking about a lot internally. Uh, well, also something I spend a lot of my time thinking about is what you, what you's reminding myself, reminding the team how little people understand about the technology and how difficult it is for people to use, including developers. And in fact, what a point I reiterate all the time is that when developers co- come to the blockchain space, they're far closer to ordinary users than they are to developers who are already in the space. And we really want to target those developers. Uh, and so we have to think of them as just regular people um, but the thing about nodes, um, I really loved, I, I find it so interesting that your your mind is going back there too, because um, we, right? Accessibility is an important value for us. Decentralization is an important value for us uh, and making nodes really accessible, ensuring that ordinary, anybody who wants to can, can run a node and earn block rewards is an important design, uh, constraint for for us. And it's funny to kind of look back at the trajectory of this whole thing and, and how even the fact that we say it like, oh, it's this weird thing that I'm getting back into node operation, it really reveals kind of how sidetracked the space has kind of become where when Bitcoin launched, the whole idea was everybody will run a node, everybody will participate in this new financial architecture. When Ethereum launched, a lot of the decisions that they made and the and the ideas that they had, uh, or the the implementations that they they made, were around uh, this idea that everybody would be running nodes. and And over time, it's just become so difficult and so. Um, hardware intensive resource intensive to actually run a node that we've lost sight of this thing and it's and node operation has become this 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 thing that other people do which basically defeats the whole purpose of all this stuff um and so i i totally agree with you that um i actually think that people are going that we're early to this trend that that now, as people see existing systems, existing institutions continue to fail, crypto continue to grow and expand, they're going to be much more interested now than they were before in running a node. And so companies like the ones you referenced will you know, will probably be growing in number and growing in value because I think more people are going to, to be interested in, in running nodes. And while you were talking it almost got me thinking like maybe node operation will actually become more like you know how f- for a while and i guess still there's this idea oh everybody should learn to code and that never really resonated with me because there's a lot of people myself included for whom coding really doesn't come naturally and node operation running the infrastructure of this stuff is is different than coding but it also is an introduction to coding and it's much more practical and useful and you can run a node and you can learn how to run a node without learning how to code and without becoming a programmer and you can still get tremendous value and so, so i wonder what do you think about that could, could that be a potential alternate route for people where y- you where you know we're becoming this more technologically advanced society every day, we're becoming more decentralized every day. Program, you know, maybe node operation is this whole new area that people are going to go into that's going to get taught in schools.
1: I and mean, is that crazy? <laughs> I think it is it is very interesting. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I definitely think we are moving towards, towards a, obviously, a digital future. And something, like, I was going to say earlier about NFTs is is I very much feel they're, like, the first version of what will be, um, like, if you imagine some kind of Ready Player One universe where everything's digital, obviously, you have ownership. You will have to, you know, and it will be core cool to it. And and digital ownership will definitely be a thing in the future. So and NFTs are a, like you can argue there's a lot of issues with NFTs in terms of are they true ownership? To, you know, what's the link between that between the hash and the image? And I think over time that will get a lot closer until it becomes just normal. So I think, yeah, we're moving, we're moving in that direction. And I think the technology will advance to that. Um towards that point. And I think everyone will definitely get more used to a lot of this stuff. Um, And I think that's what's quite interesting with crypto and how it enables you to look after your own money. Um, And the uh, Samsung Galaxy phones are quite an interesting example of this. So they have the the Fort Knox, which is like the secure hardware storage within the phones, and they have a crypto wallet within that. So then your phone is literally storing your money. And I think that is, is kind of an early step towards the kind of a more digital future where people will potentially be looking after their money more but it's I think it's more the capabilities of what you can do digitally like before you haven't you didn't have the option to look after your money yourself just to have it literally stored on your phone obviously that's like you know you lose your phone you lose your money there needs to be um, solutions to that problem but 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 it's definitely a step um, along that path, and so one thing I thought was really interesting when I set this node up is I then downloaded um, it's either uh, Zap or Strike. I think it's Zap. Um, yeah, it's Zap. So I now have, I have Zap on my phone. Now Zap is um, essentially it, it, it's a it's a Bitcoin wallet, uh, Bitcoin Lightning wallet, and you can, I think you can either set up, potentially you set up a wallet. In itself on it but what i have is right now i have it connected to my node uh and it and it connects through tor so at the moment i have i have a bitcoin node that that checks the checks the block blockchain it has a bitcoin wallet on it which i have you know small amount of funds on that and then i have my phone which connects to the node and can basically get it to to sign transactions and send money um and Uh, I'm actually I'm waiting for my Lightning channel to open. But once the Lightning channel opens, uh, I could literally say if there was a store in where I live that accepted Lightning, I could use my phone and pay with Lightning, and it would be sending that money effectively from my node, which is at home. But it would all happen. It would be direct payment, happen in seconds, and and I would just be using my phone. And, And like before, I always thought it would just be you have your note at home and then you have like wallet of Satoshi maybe a custodial service. You load it up with a few Satoshis whenever you want to spend it. But then, but, but, but with Zap, I realized I don't even need that. Suddenly, I have this complete custo- uh, this complete non-custodial service where I can spend money from my phone. But if I lose my phone, I don't lose the funds. Um, and all I have to do is just have, have a note at home. And it was you know, relatively cheap and super uh, simple to set up. Like it's, I think it's incredibly powerful, this technology. And I think that is, again, potentially an early version of what we might see in the future. And and I don't think necessarily everyone is going to be running nodes. I, I, I don't think that will happen, um, but y- you might have some kind of future where maybe phones become kind of powerful enough that you have maybe like a light client or something, or or everyone just naturally has like a, a node at home or they have it kind of inbuilt into their computer or it, it could definitely become more common. Like right now, technology isn't really being built with crypto in mind, like Samsung Galaxy wallets. That, yes, but it's relatively limited. Um, but potentially in the future, it's just so widely accepted that it just gets kind of natively built into stuff and that, you know, I wouldn't be setting up Zap and linking to my node. It would just, it would just automatically come with my phone and my laptop, for example. So, I, yeah, I, I definitely think we might go towards that kind of future, um, although I do think that there certainly is a role for custodial services or at least finding the, the right harmony between them. Um, I was reading, um, so Jeff John Roberts, He he's recently joined us as executive editor from Fortune magazine, um, and he wrote the book on Coinbase, uh, which I have up there. It's called Kings of Crypto. And I, I was reading that um this week and one thing it kind of opens with is the discussion with brian armstrong because he went to y combinator and he was the first person i think to do it by himself because they always do it in in pairs you always have a co-founder or two co-founders and he did it by himself because he split with his co-founder because his vision was of a custodial service um and and fundamentally and then coinbase has grown to what it is today planning for you know this huge direct listing um, and, I, and that's because it's been so successful why because it's been has amazing user experience as we've talked about earlier um, and fundamentally because partly because it looks after people's money for them um, because yes decentralization is, it, it is great but if people lose their money that's not good and it's, and, it, and it's easy to lose your money I mean you know putting aside the millions of scams and twitter scams is you know is enough to 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 be going on with um but just just you know you send your crypto to the wrong address boom you lost it um yeah that, user
0: error i don't know anybody who hasn't lost crypto from user error guilty
1: yeah i mean uh, i i was using metamask um i had two different metamask accounts um I think one in Firefox, one in Chrome, and I was like sending uh, something between them. And at one point, I thought I lost everything, but then I realized MetaMask within each MetaMask account, you have two addresses. And for some reason, I sent it to like the second address in in one of the MetaMask. So like, yeah, it it, it it's very you know tricky to use. And it, it we haven't quite yet built that kind of UX on everything. Like on a few projects, yes. Um, But there's simple stuff. Like I think uh, if you go to Coinbase, uh, at least Coinbase Pro does this. If you send money away from Coinbase Pro, it will check it's a valid wallet address. Um, And I don't know to the extent of that check, but at least it's doing some kind of check, which is better than not doing any check. Um, And I think there was another company in the space. Um, I want to say Zengo, but I might be wrong. Uh, that like uh, I'm not I'm not sure, but they 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 introduce a far more comprehensive check that you can that you can do. I think it, like part of it, like a premium product on it. I don't remember, but the, the whole point is they act actively whenever you send it, they make they do a good check and 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 will tell you if the, if you're going to like a commonly tagged scam address, for example. Um, and I think more of that would, would be great.
0: Yeah, I think that. On the decentralized solution side, the UX is getting better. The UIs are getting better and UI is probably like an underrated component of making this stuff easier on the centralized side, they're getting better. And I've, one of the points that we've made on this podcast a number of times before is that it's, there's a role for all kinds. There, there, there's a role for both centralized and decentralized solutions. And it's more about the centralized solutions getting a bit more decentralized. They can integrate with these technologies in ways that add value to, to, to their customers. Um, uh, the, the decentral, but, but there's always going to be, it's basically the, the fewer intermediaries you have, uh, the, the more decentralized and the harder it gets. Uh, and so it's all about picking your intermediaries. How are you using them? I mean, how decentralized is it to have your crypto in a cold wallet that's in a safety deposit box inside a bank? I mean, I think that's a really safe way to do it, but is it, you know, so it, it, it's, it's really never so clear cut whether something is decentralized or centralized it's, it's more of a question to me of why are you decentralizing how is it decentralized in this case
1: i do th- i do think that there's a there's a difference between the actual monetary asset being decentralized and the storage of the asset and for example like people might say the us dollar is being heavily inflated i want to keep my money in something. That, that doesn't have that level of inflation. Um, and then you might choose a different monetary asset. You might choose Bitcoin. Um, but, and then uh, maybe you hate banks and you don't want to trust centralized entities for storing your money. Then you want to store your coins at home in, in your own wallets, whatever. But perhaps you want a different monetary asset, but you're also, just because you want to preserve your wealth, but you're also happy with say banks or a custodian looking after your funds. and And some people just might want that. They might want the underlying base asset being decentralized but they're perfectly happy to have a centralized company looking after their funds one they could legitimately sue if they lost their funds um and i think i think there's a distinction there and it you know and some people might might be happy with decentralization on one on the one layer but centralization on, on the second layer
0: yeah i like that the conversation around this is becoming more nuanced which is, I think, what we're getting at. You know, we're getting into the nuances of of how you leverage these technologies, as opposed to, uh, you know, what's called maximalist thinking, but very binary, very ideological. Um, the conversation is becoming more nuanced, at least um, among you know people who are in the space and serious in the space. So, my last question for you um, would be going back to NFTs and, you know, you, you kind of touched on how, like, are these really connected to these things? And, um, and in my mind, what's, what, what's happening here is that we're accepting one use case for NFTs because it captures people's imaginations, even though it doesn't really do what people think it's doing is kind of what you were getting at and internally we certainly believe that there are actually many more more powerful use cases the metaverse example that you gave is great and is exactly what we're thinking Um, but there are more use cases for nfts than just these collectibles and things have you ever thought about that
1: yeah, definitely. So, um, so as I've kind of said, I think it's it, we're, we're at a very early stage of the spectrum, with the end goal being some kind of fully decentralized, fully de- digital future. Um, and I think a lot of people, like I've had conversations recently with people who just don't get NFTs. They just don't understand why they have value. Um, and I think, and the whole argument is the fact that you're not owning the actual art; you're owning a hash of the art um of which like, there was a there was a uh Niraj said in a um clubhouse chat the other day uh yesterday i think i don't know i saw it on tw- someone commented on twitter that he said it, the nft is a bit more like the signature on an artwork than the artwork itself and and arguably that sums it up quite well charlie lee has also had some detailed tweet threads on this um but i think and, and so people criticize it in that way. They say it, it, it's the NFT is a different thing from the artwork, and that you know if the web page hosting the artwork goes down, well then your NFT is a hash and nothing. Um, but what I think will be will be interesting when NFTs have functions or, or, or value uh, that you get from holding them, and and you're starting to see experimentations with that. Eula beats. Um, the people that own like the original LPs get royalties, effectively, which which is a really interesting use case. But going to the metaverse, um, one thing that I think would be really cool. Okay, so say you had a bunch of people own Beeple uh, NFT. So Beeple is is uh, I think the biggest NFT artist right now. Um, he's actually got a sale on at Christie's, which went up to like a million dollars within an hour or something. Uh, with like 13 or 14 days left on the on the auction, I think the auction's still going. Um, so I think it's up to about three million. I think, um, but yeah. So say so you had like 10 guys who all had Beeple NFTs. They'd all paid a lot of money for them, and they're all art collectors. Well, in a metaverse, you might have say an exclusive room where you're only able to get access to this room if you have a Beeple NFT, and then you can have this kind of event or gathering of art enthusiasts that would be this exclusive potentially secretive thing um and you can only get in if you've bought of nft if you haven't you can't get in and if you get in you can share all your experience with these other people who might uh know a lot about the nft market they might have great insights and there's certainly value there so i think that's just one example where you were having this kind of digital possession grants you some kind of benefit um and i think like sure you can have um kind of money come in but i think when you have when you start getting into virtual worlds i think i think it gets really interesting with what you can do there when you have digital ownership i mean because you're effectively recreating the traditional world um and you're trying to recreate everything you can do in the traditional world in the digital world now it's just i think it's just an essential thing even though i do think the actual technology might definitely evolve
0: yeah uh i i I I think you nailed it. Um, One of my co-founders and one of our blockchain architects, uh, Michael Vandenberg, uh, he put it this way, uh, most of the things in the world are NFTs, not fungible tokens. And, you know, like the way you put it was even more clear and accessible. If we're trying to recreate the world in the
1: digital world and in the digital world, pretty much everything is fungible. Right now, everything is—you can clone it, copy it. That 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 fundamentally was kind of what Bitcoin solved when it first came out, to to some degree. Um, like, well, obviously there are you know up to twenty-one million Bitcoin. You, there's no more than that, and and while each one is effectively the same, um, you 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 just can't print a load more. Whereas, whereas NFTs you know, is the very beginning of digital scarcity of which we, I think we have a long way to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but we think that that use case um, that you highlighted where you get something for holding this scarce asset, we actually think that the value there is actually gonna be orders of magnitude beyond Oh you have this little beanie baby. <laughs> like the real value is going to be in that in that use case that you highlighted that sounds small this fingerprint this receipt however you want to think about it that identifies you um
1: fungible tokens aren't good at that. Definitely definitely I was yeah I mean it's quite interesting because obviously everything digital in theory if you if I, if I create a virtual world right now I could just Create a million chairs, for example. But you might, um, like, the essential land, You 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 can you can buy items, and I think with these worlds, you you can limit the amount of things in them, and then suddenly everything effectively becomes scarce. I mean, you know, for you you could create some kind of virtual world where it's like it's it's almost like the real world where it just starts and you have resources and you can turn these resources into things. And there's only so many resources. So if you run out of resources, you can't make any more things. And then there's only so many. these things become scarce within that world. Um, and I think you you do want to get to a situation where you have these virtual worlds and these things are scarce, like everything. There's you know one about you can't quite because if you because if you have a virtual world where you can create anything you like, then like I don't know that there it would it would just be like you know video, video game um but but if you watch just kind of ready player one you actually everything has value you have to anything you want you have to earn it you have to pay for it um and it, it maybe that's some kind of decentralized like I game a world where you where where it, you know you start with just resources and everything is created um uh organically almost or you have just a Maybe it, maybe it's a centralized um, metaverse, but they're, they're, but everything has rules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows how it will go? Maybe there'll be multiple worlds. No idea. And obviously, this is quite far away, I guess. But
0: well, well, I don't know. Actually, you've really clarified a lot of things for me and got me thinking about uh, a number of things in a different way. You know, um, I've always kind of struggled with um, the the value of augmented reality and virtual reality because it's not something i'm especially interested in i like the real world i like do, doing things with my body um but
1: obviously i think there's well, going to be huge huge what's that? I, I disagree i i think it might not seem like you're in a virtual world but like am i physically in the same room as you right now <laughs> no true yeah i'm just I'm just pixels on your screen. You're hearing me through your headphones. Like when you phone someone, you you, you phone them through your phone. You uh, Like right now, we're in permanent lockdown in the UK. I, I message my friends. I haven't seen some of my friends in, in months. Like it, obviously I, I, I know they're in a real location somewhere else, but kind of, we are already living in virtual worlds to some degree. It's just, it's all through your phone. And if you think the amount, we use our phones nowadays that's where we get news from that's how we watch tv that's how we watch videos um you, you you kind of do everything through your phone and sure it's not a physical metaverse you're not actually walking around a virtual vr space um but everything you're doing is it, it, digital already apart from you know getting a haircut going for coffee yeah, um, and I'm not
0: super active, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, but what you've clarified for me is that is how this will open up opportunities for everybody to become wealthier. Because as these virtual worlds come online, um, who's going to be creating those chairs? Who's going to be creating all of the shirts and the hats and 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 the worlds themselves? And what we've learned up till now is that fungible tokens don't really enable creators to really capture hardly any of the value. Um, but, But hearing you talk, it's like, oh yeah, obviously, the way they'll capture the value is that if you want my cool chair that I designed, you will have to buy my NFT. And really moving into the virtual world, we can connect virtual items to NFTs. The problem is connecting physical. Uh, and so now it's it's starting to be clear to me what value people will get from these virtual worlds, how they w- will capture that value and convert it into wealth and how all this stuff will kind of work together uh, through use of these new assets.
1: Yeah, I, I do think you're a little bit more optimistic than me that it will create, that every all the creators will end up with all the money. Like I imagine, it will be in my in my head. It's some kind of Ready Player like Ready Player One like thing where you end up with you know the rich people who fundamentally created it and everyone within the virtual world will be as poor as they are kind of in the real world. I think I think inequality will probably just transgress from one to the other. I mean, well, if that's does, what we got to
0: fight, right? That's what yeah. we got to fight against.
1: That would be amazing. Um, but but also that that um, made me think of one thing is that right now NFTs, it's like, well, the image is separate from, from, from the hash and therefore, and, and critics will say, therefore, it's completely pointless, worthless. But if you had a virtual world where, because you, you can build in rules to, to, to virtual worlds and one rule in a world might be in order to have an object in the world, you have to have an NFT of that object. And the moment you've got that one rule, then suddenly you can only have Things and, and and potentially it could be you could restrict the type of NFTs so people can't just create them like for themselves or whatever they have to be like under a certain brand or by like registered artists or something like that where you you'd be able to kind of control the supply um, and then you would have like the world and it's like well and and presumably this would be three D so you could have a three D chair that that's you, your NFT refers to. And if you own the NFT, well, then you can actually visually, visually have that chair in, in, in the 3D world. Um, I, I think that right now, we don't have the virtual worlds that much and we don't have those kind of rules. But if, you, if, if we pretend, I, either NFTs change, so the objects are more implanted more directly into the actual NFT itself, or you end up having some kind of rule-based world where it, it very much links the two and that you have to have the NFT to have the object. Either way, we will move towards a place where there's digital scarcity for pretty much everything as, as you kind of said. And I think it's just how we do it is, is, is the only remaining question.
0: That's a great way of putting it. And I think we, we covered a crap ton of, uh, of ground. Is there anything else you, you wanted to talk about?
1: um i think i think i've definitely said everything on my mind about nfts right now um
0: anything on nft related
1: uh i wouldn't recommend getting me started on another topic or i'll keep going on for ages all right
0: well maybe we save it for next time were we to talk about another topic next time what would it be to get people's mind germs uh, it doesn't is, have to be anything we've covered a crap on a ground i mean and we've already gone into the edges of what is even predictable about about the space right now
1: yeah i mean what's kind of interesting for me is I, i've been editing for the last year and a half um which hasn't enabled me to to write that much like i barely had any time i mean i did that you know steam feature which took me months and like Uh, yeah hours of interviews but that was all in my spare time um oh wow yeah that's why it took so long um and yeah to be to be fair uh they did give me a few mondays off that i had to work on it but um that i I don't know four or five mondays or something um but yeah so from monday i'll be writing and that's when i'll be really being able to explore anything i want to want to tackle um And that's that's exciting because I think that's when I'm going to start exploring some of these topics and I'm definitely going to have a lot more opinions about a lot more things.